Hi, welcome back to Chats with Chaz. Thanks for tuning in. Come for the stories, stay for the puns. <laughs> welcome back, everybody. We're going on for the episode four. This is really exciting. For this episode, we've got a lot of really good things I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to do my best to talk, but yesterday I had an unceremonious meeting with my friend's knee with my lip yesterday. So I have a very swollen lip. If I mispronounce some words, then I do apologize, but I have a very fat lip right now. It's going to be quite fun. This episode, we are going to be answering a listener's question, actually, and then going over the third chapter of the Preach My Gospel manual where we're talking about the restoration of the Church of Jesus Christ. And I am really excited about this. Some of my listeners are going to be like, oh, more religion. And some of my other listeners are going to be like, sweet, this is great. And you know what? I don't care. I'm going to be talking about only the things I'm passionate about. And don't worry, it's going to be very entertaining. We are going to go over a little bit about why I choose to go to a church, organized religion, hot topic. Some people believe in God, some people don't, and they don't feel the need to go to religion. So why does Chaz choose to go every Sunday to a building and associate himself with the same people every week? We're going to talk about it. And then we're going to also talk a little bit about specifically the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, church culture, and the difference between that and Christ's church. It's going to be so great. I really like this. I'm going to share a little bit about how I truly feel about God, about Jesus Christ. It might get a little personal. Let's find out. This is really exciting. Jumping right into that, I got a message from a friend on social media. He said he was listening to the podcast, really likes that, and he had a question. And here's the question. How do you pray and receive answers if you aren't sure that God cares? That's, That's a tough question to answer. Let me tell you that. Because I felt that way too. I kind of know what he's feeling because I've been there where I've been kneeling in front of my bed and I'm just thinking you're talking and you're talking and you feel nothing. And you're just wondering, am I, am I talking to a pillow? What am I even doing on my knees? I mean, does he care? He's not really talking. I don't feel anything in particular. Am I just a man sitting in front of his bed talking at a pillow? I have definitely felt that way before. That's, I feel like a lot of people feel that way as well. I'm going to attempt to answer that question to the best of my knowledge because I do believe God cares. And I have witnessed in my own life that God does care about me and when I pray. My answer for my friend was, I have to believe that God does care. I have to. I feel like if you think that God doesn't care, then it's really hard to pray. But you have to believe that he is your loving Heavenly Father, that he does listen and he does care. And as soon as you are ready to believe that and you're ready to try again in a relationship with him, then that is good soil for that seed to grow. I don't know. I feel like I feel like I'm not saying this right. I have all these thoughts and I don't know how to get them out. When I had been feeling like God wasn't really answering my prayers, I actually stopped waiting on my knees for him to answer because I wasn't really hearing any impressions. I wasn't getting a lot of thoughts and, you know, very holy. Oh, this is exactly what you should do. So I actually am like got fed up of waiting. I'm like, okay, I gave it a shot. I waited for a response and I didn't really feel anything. So I got up off my knees and I went about my day. What I did after that is I actually looked and I observed. I asked for sincere answers to my questions. 
And then when I got up and went about my day, I looked for his hand to be revealed. And that rendered better results for me. Often answers to prayers came to me in ways that I didn't want or that I didn't expect. For example, so one time I prayed to have the temptation of pornography taken away from me, but instead I actually felt the feelings increased. I got triggered by even more things and I ended up like yelling at God saying, this is the complete opposite of what I was wanting. Why are you doing this to me? I was forced to pray almost constantly all day long until the finally at the end of the day when suddenly for no reason at all, my mom called. And then my dad called and then my friends invited me over to come hang out. And you know what? I completely forgot about my struggles, but it was a battle the entire day. I was finally distracted from my temptations. And then the lesson hit me like a ton of bricks. God wants me to look unto him in every thought, doubt not and fear not. And so that's kind of the reason why I had to struggle throughout the entire day. I had prayed for deliverance and he didn't give it to me. And I'm like, why are you doing this to me? It wasn't until later when I was observing and still looking for that answer that it occurred to me that he wanted me to depend on him constantly. I did more praying that day than any other day when I wasn't tempted. That ordeal was an answer to my prayers, but it wasn't the way that I wanted, but it was still in the way that I needed it. And even after all that struggle during the whole day of praying and asking for help, he did send relief in the end. So for me personally, I feel like God really isn't a merciful deliverer of pain. He's more like an insightful coach who helps me get through my struggles and helps empower me to overcome them. So friend of mine, I hope you're listening to this, but that's that's kind of some stories about how I have learned that God does still care about me, but it's never really in the way that I expect. I have had so many experiences where... I've prayed for relief or comfort, sincerely prayed to my God for relief. And it has come in different ways and not in the ways that I expect. Enough that I felt that he does at least care. And it's up to me to identify his hand in the way that he chooses and not in the way that I choose. I would expect to receive an answer in X, Y, Z. And he has a better way. His ways are wiser than my ways. But at the end of the day, I really believe he loves me and he cares. So I want to share with you one of the ways that I communicate with my Heavenly Father. That's kind of personal to me. I had this idea a couple of years ago, and I've decided to make it a thing. I think it was mostly because I was praying at night, and I was sleepy and tired, and it was really hard for me to focus. I needed a better way to articulate God's uh, responses to me. So here's what I did. I got a piece of paper, and on the left side of the page, I wrote down my thoughts and impressions, almost like a text message conversation. And then on the right side of the page, I would write down his response. The thing is, I use my imagination to envision what I believe Heavenly Father would want to say to me if he were sitting right next to me. I use all of my knowledge of the nature of God and everything I know about from the Bible and just my natural intuition of what I believe my loving Heavenly Father would want to say to me, like really. And so I have these conversations where I talk to him about my biggest fears, my greatest concerns. And then I, I take a creative liberty. It almost sounds blasphemous, but I write what I, I believe Heavenly Father would say to me. And you know what? That book of prayer is scripture to me now because it almost frightens me how accurate and how prophetic some of those things that I've written down with my own hand have been in my own personal life. I would write in that journal about choosing a major in college and our conversations... <laughs> Uh, My conversations with Heavenly Father are always never the way that I want them to be. 
I'll have to read some of these to you at some other time. But I remember I would ask, what, what, what do you want me to do with my major? How do I decide? And he would respond something like, I've given you agency to choose what would you like to do? And I would respond and say, that's too broad. How could you give me such responsibility? I feel like I can pick any major. And then he would, again, very calmly and very lovingly respond, exactly. I don't mind you choosing. There isn't a given major for you to choose. What I care about is what is my work and my glory, which is to bring to pass your immortality and your eternal life. I don't care which major you choose. It's the way you perform in it that will lead you back to my presence that I care about. You go ahead and choose. You have interests, hobbies, and curiosities that you have developed because you are you. I'm not going to dictate how you want to live your life. And that's how all these conversations go in this book that I write between me and God. Maybe it's just the wise little Jiminy Cricket inside me, but I really believe that this is revelation of light coming from on high to teach me that God really cares and he really wants to give me knowledge, information, insight, advice, if I'm willing to listen. And the best way I know how to bring it out of heaven and distill it into this reality is by pen and paper. So if you're ever struggling with your own communication with God, I would highly suggest that you try this method of writing your prayers with the utmost sincerity and be prepared to use your imagination of what you believe your heavenly father, your loving heavenly father wants to say to you. And if you feel like you don't have a very accurate knowledge of how God would react, then maybe we should be reading some more scriptures on the nature of God. The more we read the scriptures and know who God is and how he acts, the better those conversations can go between you and him. I'll just end with this little section right here. Whenever you're praying, I always believe that you need to get up off of your knees and then go and observe throughout the day how he will answer those prayers. And I'm going to reference one of my all-time favorite scriptures. It's in DNC 123.17. It's 12317. I don't know why, but that's how I remember it. Therefore, dearly beloved brethren, let us cheerfully do all things that lie in our power. And then may we stand still with the utmost assurance to see the salvation of God and for his arm to be revealed. Basically, that scripture is saying, do what you can, right? Pray for things that you need, answers to your questions, and then get up off your knees, go about your day, do the best you can. That's what faith means to me is patiently waiting for his arm to be revealed, to have that prayer answered, maybe in a different way, maybe in a way that you didn't want, but when it's revealed, I promise it'll hit you like a ton of bricks or it will comfort you in just the right way and his arm will be revealed. So that was a crazy beginning section. I hope that answered your questions. And if you have any more questions that you'd like to have answered, feel free to DM me. I might actually talk about it in this podcast. So going forward with this, I want to talk about the Preach My Gospel Manual. In the first lesson, we talk about the restoration of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I know it's a really long title for a church, but it's kind of important. This is the lesson that I gave hundreds and hundreds of times while I was on my mission. And it was vital because it explained why this particular Christian church has the authority of God. And oh my gosh, I know arguments all over the place. Every church believes it is the church of God. It, it can be kind of conflicting. I do believe that God has called apostles and prophets to the church today. And I won't go over the entire lesson, but I do want to share with you today why I choose to go to a church. So the one thing that we need to establish are a couple of truths. God speaks to man. 
If you read the Bible, you hear a lot about prophets, Moses and Abraham. And then when Jesus was on the earth, he was also considered kind of a prophet because God also spoke to him. But essentially, in all of these stories from the Bible, God taught and instructed these prophets to establish his church, to teach his doctrine, to help his children return back to him. I still believe that's true today. I know we don't see a lot of miracles and we don't see anybody walking on water, parting Red Seas, but I still believe that God is still talking to a person and he's instructing him on what to do with a specific organized church. And I believe that is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Let let me share the story about why I, I chose this church. No, it doesn't have to do with the fact that I was born into it because my family took me to church when I was a kid and I was baptized at eight. That was a very good segue. That was a very good way of getting me there. But I am a full-grown adult now. I am 25 years old, and I choose to go to an organized religion of my own volition and accord. I've thought about this. This church was restored by a man named Joseph Smith. Now, in the 1800s, It was in the United States. This young man named Joseph Smith wanted to learn about which church he should join. There was a lot of different churches going on, and they all said that they were the correct church, and he was real confused. He was 14 at the time, but this kid really wanted to know the truth. He was very concerned for his own soul. He didn't want to be damned. He wanted to choose the right, you know, and and be happy and be with his family forever. And so he was genuinely curious. And I felt that way too. I really, really wanted to know the truth, but how do you know? Luckily, there is a scripture uh, that's in James in chapter one, verse five, that Joseph Smith read. And it goes like this. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. I give it to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. I probably butchered that scripture, but you get the idea. For Joseph Smith, it was pretty clear. If any of you have a question, if any of you lack wisdom, you can ask of God. And if you are expecting an answer, now that's faith. That's trust. That's jumping over a chasm without really knowing if you can see that invisible bridge. It's terrifying. But for Joseph Smith, it was very easy because he was so brave and so trusting, so faithful. He really did believe God would answer a sincere question of a 14-year-old boy. So that's what he did. He went off to a grove of trees and he went off by himself. He gave this account on multiple occasions. Uh, and he said that he, he asked which religion he should join. And during that experience, he was attacked by some unknown force. We believe it might've been Satan. You know, some devil was trying to stop him from genuinely asking a good question to the almighty God. And right when he thought he was going to be destroyed, he was delivered by a force of good. And in his experience, he said that God and Jesus Christ appeared to him in a column of light that is brighter than noonday. And he said that they said to him that he should join none of the churches, but that they would restore the original church with their authority, God's and Jesus Christ's authority on the earth again. And they were choosing him, that 14-year-old boy, to be the prophet to bring about the restoration of the authority of Jesus Christ's church again on the earth. Crazy story. You should definitely look it up. If you're not familiar with this, absolutely do your research. Um, Go look up LDS.org and look for the restoration or Joseph Smith, any of those keywords, and learn for yourself his story because it is incredible that a 14-year-old boy saw God, right? And so he has this very long journey up until around 24. Uh, He was he, he grew in wisdom and knowledge, and he was instructed to bring about the restoration. 
And so a couple of years later, uh, when he was in his 20s, he finally organized a religion with less than 50 members. And it was all through angels and messengers of God. And I know it sounds crazy, but... I guess it's because I was raised in the church and I was used to hearing these kind of stories. But it's also kind of exciting, the the possibility that angels could be appearing to modern day people in the 1800s. And, you know, there's the possibility that God really is appearing to men. And I don't know, for me, I grew up hearing these stories and I, I asked in prayer myself, I'm like, yo, God. Is this, le- is this legit? Did you really do this? Like the same person that I am praying to on my knees in front of my bed instead of this pillow, did you really appear to this person named Joseph Smith? And I had to ask all these questions and learn for myself. And I really did receive these answers. I felt that it was right. So I guess where I'm trying to go with this is I learned the, the origin of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I have learned the teachings of what the scriptures say and I have observed the acts and the words of our of our church leaders. We actually still have a prophet to this day. After Joseph Smith, there was another prophet after him that was called of God. And from that time forth, every other church leader is also called of God. It's not really a vote. We don't vote. It's not democratic. It is inspired. And to this day, we have a prophet named President Nelson who I also still had to pray and know for myself. I'm like, all right, is this just a old guy who really wanted to, you know, take charge of a cult? I don't think it is. I think he is also inspired of God. And he's also receiving direct instruction from Jesus Christ on what he should do with Jesus Christ's church. Anyway, I know it's kind of crazy and I, I feel like I'm all over the place, but I really do believe that God chose a young boy named Joseph Smith to restore his church. And that there is authority in this organized religion. One of the ways that I learned that this church is a true church is because I have a little bit of evidence with me. Joseph Smith was called to translate these really ancient records that were written on gold plates. Now, we don't have the gold plates, but he did write and translate a book. And that's called the Book of Mormon. Now, this book is uh, another testament of of Jesus Christ, and it it complements the Bible. It is not fiction, but rather a history of people that lived in the Americas. Crazy, right? And it's not fiction. Like I said, it's history. It's these historians writing on sheets of metal so that it would be preserved across hundreds of years about the most important things. They had two separate records. They had like the history of the people and their leaders and their wars and their contentions that's different. But they also thought that it was very important to have religious writings that were distilled down and combined and compiled into one singular record because they wrote a lot. Let's be honest. We've written millions of books in the United States in just the past 10 years. Can you imagine what they would have written way back in the day. And so that's what I'm talking about here is this condensed, compiled record of religious teachings. And guess what? These people also knew about Jesus Christ. It's really, it's really crazy. And you have to understand when Joseph Smith received these plates, he didn't make it up. He received it from an angel and he translated it when he was like 20 years old. And he didn't have a lot of education. He did not go to college. And so if you read this book, it's like scripture, and it has dozens of names of individuals. It has geographic locations. It has the histories of battles between nations. I, I really don't think that Joseph Smith was just some, this, some boy genius who wrote this fantastic story. I really don't. Because 
That's not the point of this book. If you read the Book of Mormon, you'll realize that everything that's in there is centered around Jesus Christ and his teachings. There's these other prophets that were in the Americas that were receiving instruction from him and giving teachings to these people in the Americas about repenting and coming unto Christ, having faith in him, of keeping his commandments. And it's it's just teaching you also how to be a good person. And I promise you, if you read it sincerely, you will also feel that it is inspired of God. It too is scripture. And so when I was learning about the story of Joseph Smith, the restoration of the church, you know, the origin of this, this organized religion, I had to choose for myself if I thought that the Book of Mormon was also inspired of God. So I read the whole thing. And then I got on my knees and I prayed. And I said, Heavenly Father, God, Almighty, man upstairs, I'm going to be very real with you right now. I need to know if this book is inspired of you or not, because it definitely sounds like it. It's either a really good copy or you are the author. You told all these writers, these authors to dictate all these doctrines about Jesus Christ. And Joseph Smith really did translate it from gold plates. Crazy story. I'm sincerely asking you, did you really inspire Joseph Smith to translate it? And I felt that it is true. And even right now, I am feeling that it is true. It is a good book. And God is good. And I believe that all good things come from God. The Book of Mormon is from God. And that's my logic of thinking. If the Book of Mormon really is inspired of God, it was translated by Joseph Smith with a couple of helpers. Oliver Cowdery was one of them. And since Joseph was inspired of, the, of God, of the Almighty God, then he really was, you know... That means his other things were also inspired. The fact that he organized the church, that he brought about the priesthood, and that you can now be baptized. That's what seals the deal for me. I love all sorts of different kinds of religion. I really love the Baptist. I really love all sorts of different denominations of Christianity. And I think that the Bible really is truth. There's truth everywhere. You can find truth everywhere. But for me, I choose to stay in this church because I believe this is the one that God instructs. And it's the one where I can get back into heaven through. And there's a lot more that goes into that. Every time I go to general conference, I feel God's love so strongly through the 12 apostles and our prophet, President Nelson. It reaffirms for me every six months that it really is God's church. I absolutely love it. I've gone on for a very long time about the restoration, and uh, I feel like I need to start wrapping up this episode because it's already been so many minutes. Holy cow. Okay, so I want to talk about church culture versus Christ's church. This is a very hot topic. I understand that there's been a lot of, of my friends who have been raised in the church and have been exposed to a lot of members, and they are not very tactful at all. And you know what? My friends have faced hate, discrimination, They've been ostracized from communities and they can't take it anymore. And so they leave. And honestly, I don't blame them. Some of my friends in college were faced with a lot of discrimination in the same sex policies at BYU. And my heart ached for them because there was a lot of miscommunication and there was a lot of judgment being pressed down on those who genuinely have same sex attraction. And they're trying to be like Jesus in all they do and say. And so... I'm not pushing this under the rug. I'm not trying to give them and give all of the culture an excuse. I really do believe it is very hard for a lot of people to be a part of organized church. For example, in 
the church, we have a policy where we believe that marriage is ordained of God between a man and a woman. And in, and at BYU, we try and follow those teachings. And as more and more of world education and and world knowledge came about about same-sex marriage, the church and BYU did not change. They did not allow for same-sex marriage. And at BYU, they still did not condone a lot of behavior that supported same-sex same sex relationships. And that was very hard for some of my friends because the way that members of the church interpret policies and doctrines can sometimes be manifest in ways that hurt others, like in judging people if they have same-sex attraction and automatically assuming they're sinners or treating them as second-class citizens. And that is very hard, and I totally understand People who feel discriminated against or ostracized in communities choose not to go to church because they can't take it anymore. I need to point out something very clearly. Church is meant to help cultivate your seed of faith in Jesus Christ. That's what it's meant for. Meeting in a building with fellow believers in Christ should be an uplifting experience. And if you are not feeling that way, then you don't need to come to that building but you should not stop believing in Jesus Christ because he still loves you and he is still there for you. And that's why some people have left the church because of these policies and because of the decisions that members have been making and even church leaders have been making. But my choice to be a part of an organized religion is not based on humans. It is based on my personal testimony of Jesus Christ. Because I read his scriptures and I listen to that still small voice that is the spirit that is in my own heart. And that spirit continually tells me that you need to go to church so that you can help others, uplift others, strengthen their testimonies, lift up the hands that are hanging down and strengthen those feeble needs. I choose to go to church because I absolutely love the sacrament. That's the best part of my week. The sacrament is where you take of the bread and the water as a symbol of the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. It is the moment of the week that we have an opportunity to be baptized again, where we renew our baptismal covenants to follow him, to take upon ourselves his name, and to try once again to forsake our sins. And so I will never leave the church because I love my Savior. I don't give excuses for members of the church who are judgmental or who are creating a negative culture in the church. I choose to stay because I want to be a part of the population that is accepting of those who struggle because I know that I struggle and we all need to stick together. So yeah, that's, that's a little bit of my take on church culture and why I choose to be a part of Christ's church. If you have any more thoughts about church culture and you'd like to be on the podcast, feel free to DM me and I would love to bring you on and we can actually have a two-way discussion about this. I feel like there's a lot more insights that can be gleaned from someone who has had different experiences than I. And then I can also share some of my thoughts when compared to those insights as well. So if you feel like you would love to be on the podcast, feel free to message me and we can make some sort of arrangement because I would really love to talk more about church culture. So I guess to wrap up this episode, I just want to reiterate kind of what I talked about before. I really do believe in a God. I have conversations with him all the time. Sometimes they're written almost in text message form, and I have seen his responses. Sometimes more often than I have heard his responses. I have seen his hand revealed in my life more often than I've received uh, an impression in my heart. So 
definitely get up off of your knees and go and look for his responses. I believe that there is an organized church that God has ordained, that he has chosen. I really do believe it is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I've learned for myself, because I've heard the story of Joseph Smith, I've heard the origin of this particular religion, and I've prayed about it myself. I have also read the evidence in the Book of Mormon. And oh my gosh, if any of you have never read the Book of Mormon, please read it cover to cover. With the most sincere, with the, the most sincere attitude, and I promise you, you will feel God's love, the greatest spirit that you have ever experienced in your life. Read the Book of Mormon, and I promise you, it's gonna change your life. It's kind of a slow read sometimes, but the the teachings that are in it are pure gold. And keep talking with God. I am not just talking to a pillow. I am talking to my heavenly father and he does care and he does listen. And he listened to a 14 year old boy in a grove of trees and he gave him his answer. And if any of you are lacking wisdom, you can ask of God and it will be given to you. This has been a really spiritual episode today, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you have any more questions, feel free to ask me and I would love to talk about them. This has been another episode of Chats with Chaz and I hope you have a blessed day. (laughs) 